Acts chapter 27 tonight. We're going to start at verse 9. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter which is in an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon. In verse 41 it says, In falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Verse 44 says, And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Some were strong enough to swim to shore. But others had to come in on broken pieces. I want to minister to you here in this church tonight about simply that. Coming in on broken pieces. Dealing with a sudden Euroclidon and The principle of dealing with a sudden storm and an unexpected attack and coming through that attack, those things are hidden in this Scripture tonight. And so I want to minister to us for just a little while concerning this. This scenario that is talking about here was a wrong trip, the wrong ship, the wrong time in the wrong place. I want to first begin by telling you that this story tells us of a trip that should have never been taken. 
It was a wrong trip. And it gets very interesting as we go through this. And so I want you to bear with me for just a little bit tonight. I'm going to try to stick to my notes and, and try to get through this as quickly as possible, but we're going to follow the Lord. Can you say amen? Euroclidon comes from the two words euros, meaning east wind, and clidon, meaning to billow or to dash over. It's not just the average thunderstorm, but it is an extremely, extremely violent wind. It is what we would consider a typhoon or a hurricane. Now, imagine with me for just a moment a ship. Now, it's not as big as a cruise ship and certainly not a small ship, but, but somewhere in between. It was a wooden ship and it was, a, it was big enough to carry 300 people. And this ship in the midst of waves. Now, if you have never seen a hurricane on big water... It's very, very dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I have been in some very rough water in smaller boats. Not anything such as this. But nevertheless, I have been in some very perilous waters myself through the years. Now, they struck out and... I want to talk to you for just a moment tonight about a sudden attack. You know, they struck out, to, and, and, and here is, here's the point to this situation. They struck out, and when they struck out, there was nothing going on. It was not nearly as bad as it was about to be. However, uh, everything looked to be okay, and then all of a sudden the Euroclidon comes on, uh, and uh, and that's a that's a sudden storm or attack, uh, and it can uh, it can ju- it can not only be a, a, a physical storm, but there can be spiritual uh, Euroclidons that come into each and every one of our lives as well, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, it could come uh, something you know where people you're just going along, and I know that if you haven't been through some of these yourself, uh, perhaps you know somebody that has, uh, but. You know, you, you go along, everything seems to be going great. Uh, man, you wake up one morning, all of a sudden you feel something strange going on. And, and the next thing you know, uh, you go to the doctor and you find out you got cancer. That's the kind of storm I'm talking about tonight. Or perhaps you, you get a phone call and somebody tells you that your child has been in a horrific accident of some sort or, or something like that that's just completely unexpected and, and it comes up in your life and, and it's just completely unexpected, takes you by storm. And, and these things can be very difficult to deal with. Uh, sudden, unexpected circumstances uh, and not an everyday situation. Uh, not just that I'm having a bad day type of situation, but uh, uh, something that literally can wreak havoc upon your life. There are things called Euroclidons, uh, just like with Job. Job was going along. Life was good. He had a beautiful wife. He had many great possessions. And he had a bunch of great children. And all of these things that he had and great wealth and everything was going. And the Bible says he was a perfect man before God. That's a completely different perfect than the perfect that it speaks about with God. They're two separate, uh, two separate perfections. We know that man is not perfect. Uh, but he was perfect toward God. Uh, and, uh, and it's a different type of perfect. But he was living a perfect life toward God. And then all of a sudden, everything was taken from him. 
Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Church, if you haven't experienced a storm that suddenly blows into your life, you will at some point. You will at some point in your life experience storms that blow in. No one is immune to the storms of this life. Oh, but I know one that will go through it with you. (laughs) I know one that will ride out the storm with you. You know, we're each going to have to deal with our own personal storms. And you may go through it and you may question God, why did this storm happen in my life? Why did you allow this storm to come into my life? God, I'm living right up. I'm in a covenant with you, Jesus. I'm trying to do everything I can to do right for you, God. And how did you let this come into my life? Or perhaps there's one that's coming to your life and you question and you say, God, oh God, how long will I suffer in this storm? How long will it last, oh God? How long, oh God? Why, Lord? Where's the end to the storm? You know, there there are many types of storms. Sometimes wrong decisions bring a storm. I want to talk about these storms for just a moment. There are some storms that come because of decisions that we make. Paul didn't want to get on that boat. He tried to talk them out of it. But the captain made the wrong decision. The captain said, we're going to take the boat out anyway. (laughs) Church, there was a time that I was in a fishing tournament on Kentucky Lake. Kentucky Lake is a long, very wide, straight north and south lake. It runs directly north and south. And it's one of the most dangerous bass tournament lakes on the planet. It's a very notorious lake for big fish. And it's a great bass tournament fishing lake. We were in a very big bass tournament series there. And it was one of our lakes that we had to fish in that series. And and I had a very expensive boat. And uh, as did... 300 other people that were there and and it was a very large commercial tournament and and this lake is notorious for sinking boats and it's very notorious for losing lives and killing people because it's a very dangerous lake because it runs north to south and if the wind is blowing straight north or south either way then it builds up and builds up and it can get very dangerous very quickly And the morning of the tournament, it was daylight, and we knew that the wind had been blowing. Now, they say if it's blowing 15 miles an hour, do not get on the lake. For three days, it had been blowing 40-plus miles an hour. And so the people that were running the tournament had a spotter that went out into the lake from the cove, from the marina that we were at, and checked the lake to see if we were going to go out. And they had a little bitty committee of two or three people that decided, yes, we were going to go ahead and go out. And so as we blasted off and people started going out, you could see them hit the, hit the lake and just go airborne, you know, and up on the swells. And I mean, it was, it was already 
four or five foot swells out there, and we're in low profile, high powered bass boats, uh, and so we're jumping, we're right off the bat, we're jumping these waves so hard coming out that the guy in front of me's back seat came out, he didn't even know it, and it went 20 feet in the air over the top of our boat as we came through, and it was, it broke both of my headlights off of my boat right out of the chute. And, and so, man, I knew this was going to be a dangerous day. Well, all day long, we went about three or four miles up the river. Ten miles, maybe. I don't remember. It was a pretty good ways. And, and we ran up and, and went up, went into a cove. And back in that cove, we fished. Well, it was a very bad day. And we fished that cove. And, and I had a 7-4 in the boat, a, a bass that weighed 7 pounds, 4 ounces. And that's not a real big fish for that lake. But for that day, I thought, well, it might put us in the money. And the money for big fish. And so, you know, that's a, there's a lot of money in those tournaments. So I, otherwise I wouldn't even have tried to come back. But I figured we better leave for at least two hours to try to get back. Now, on flat water, it would take me about 45 seconds running 80 miles an hour in my bass boat, which it would run 75, 80 miles an hour. So running across that lake, man, I could be in that, I could be fish up to 10 minutes before time to go. And man, I could be down that lake in just a matter of a couple of minutes. I could be back in the marina. But because the water was so treacherous, I said, we better start heading back. And my partner said, man, let's go on down to where we caught them other fish yesterday. I said, partner, I said, we was in a cove. And I said, look at the clouds. He looked up at the clouds and they were zinging. I mean, that wind was really blowing. He said, oh, my God. I said, yeah, it's been blowing like that all day. And I said, we need to start heading back now if we're going back. We'd already considered taking and putting out right there and, and having somebody come pick us up and boat our trailer right there, but, uh, you know, trailer our boat right there. But anyway, so I got back out and as soon as I hit the big water, it was six and eight foot swells. High as that building right there, swells, and I'm in a bass boat that's about that high off of the water. And so, man, I'm in a 21-foot bass boat, and I'm and, and I'm riding it just like this, and just you couldn't go fast because it was just too rough. And I was trying to come off of this one, go up to the top of that swell, and drop down into the next one. When you drop down in it, you couldn't see anything anywhere around you but the swell right behind you coming right at you. So you had to move with it or be a little faster because the water was eight foot tall coming behind you as well. And when you're in a boat with a 200 horse or 225 horsepower motor on the back of it, and I had that motor was only sticking out of the water about that far because I was going slow. And so I had to, and the nose of the boat, I was keeping the nose of the boat up. So I had my motor trimmed down and, and I had the nose of the boat up because I wanted to come over the top and hit the next one. Three quarters of the way back when I started coming, and we're going to see in this story here where it says where two seas met. There's two lakes that come in right there. They come in together where they meet right there. And uh, there's two creeks that come together. And buddy, where they meet, then you don't have a natural swell. You have these swells meeting these swells, and it turns into chop eight foot tall. And so it's liable to come any direction, and, and there's no method to the madness. So it became very treacherous. And, and when we got approaching to that area. I went over and, and, and came down, and when I did, two swells were too far apart. The nose of my boat went down, and I hit I speared an eight-foot wall of water, and it came over the boat. Boom! And filled the boat instantly with water. It took all of the rods. I had, I don't tell you how many rods on the front of the boat, strapped down on the front of the boat. They ended up hitting 
hit my partner so that wave hit him so hard in the chest and my seats were up against the back wall of the boat. I mean, this boat's made for this. It broke the seat he was sitting in and he was mangled in all my fishing rods. It, it, it tore my trolling motor up on the front of the boat and we were filled with water instantly just like that. And so here I am out in the middle of this lake and boats are coming behind me, coming back to the weigh-in. Now, these are thousands of pounds of boats with high-power motors, and some of them are flying, and they can't see me back there. They're running up that lake trying to get back to the weigh-in. They have no idea I'm up there sitting in a, in a boat full of water, and I've still got that motor buried. I've got a, it has a gas pedal just like a car, and I had it buried, and the motor was underwater, and it's just going like this, and the water was pouring out of the boat, but the bottom of the boat was filled with water. My bilge pumps were on, and, and so man, if there hadn't been a cove right there, I'd have lost my boat. But I got over to the cove and it came up and I, and I, st- I was able to get the, get the water out and I still ended up making it back across, long story short, made it back across. When I got over there, there was an 1137 pound bass. 11 pound 37, or, uh, yeah, 1137. 11 pounds and uh, 3700 of an ounce, uh, bass already weighed in. So, pfft. I shouldn't even have went to the weigh-in. But I want to tell you, I know what it's like uh, to be in the midst of perilous, perilous water. And no doubt, uh, the swells that were out in this situation were much beyond that. And probably much beyond that even in comparison to the size of the boat that they're in. But I want to tell you something, that's a scary place to be. That is a scary place to be. Water is a dangerous, dangerous force to be reckoned with. Now... (laughs) Sometimes we make decisions and this, and, and, and Paul had tried to warn them. But we do things and choices that we have made bring bad consequences. And many times when we're in a situation like that, I don't know if everybody's been through that, but I certainly have. And I know that once I got into the midst of the storm that I brought on myself, I could look back and remember exactly where I was and what I did to cause that to fall upon me like it did. And I could remember it. And so sometimes, and that's one type of storm that comes upon us. Now, then we have another storm, uh, the second kind that we had nothing to do with. Uh, I didn't do, you know, that you didn't have anything to do with. There was nothing you did uh, to bring it on yourself. Uh, and that's a, that's a, a Euroclidon. Uh, that is a Euroclidon, the storm that comes in unexpectedly. And you didn't bring it on yourself. You had nothing to do with it. Uh, but it just fell on you. You know, there's something called spiritual perception, church. And it's something that that the Lord gives us, but it's something that we don't often heed. And we need to be very sensitive to this. Because it's something that can prevent many of the problems that we find ourselves in. Most of the time, if we're led of the Holy Ghost, now remember, that's most of the time. Before the storm comes, the Lord will speak to us and let us know that something's not right. How many of you have ever heard of somebody about to get on a plane and, and all of a sudden something comes along and they just say, I, I just... I don't want to go. I, I'm, I'm just not going. And they don't. And the plane crashes. Or, or perhaps Paul, 
Paul was trying to tell these people, listen, i got a bad feeling about this. Oh, let me tell you, Paul had the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, Paul tried to warn these people. He said, hey, whoa, wait a minute. I'm going to tell you something, church. You better heed the man or the woman of God when they're trying to tell you something. God will stop you sometimes and let you know that, hey, there's danger on the horizon. You better watch that turn. Stay away from that place. Listen, learn, church, to be sensitive to the will of the Holy Ghost. Be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Ghost. There's sometimes that God will absolutely warn you every way He can to keep you out of danger's way, out of harm's way. But if you are if you are bent and determined, bound and determined to do something, a lot of times we will override that sensitive spirit. We will override that wooing of the Holy Ghost. We will override the warning, the warning signs. Sometimes there's a burden that will hit you suddenly. You can't figure it out. Have you ever had the Lord wake you up in the middle of the night and just put somebody on your heart to start praying for? Pray. Pray. For two reasons. God thought enough of them to send somebody to stand in the gap for them. And God thought enough of you to for it to be you the one to do it. Boy, now there's a blessing right there. There's a double blessing right there. Mephibosheth said to David, he said, Who am I that you would even consider such a dead dog as I am? And that's our, that's, that's exactly how I feel sometimes when the, when the Lord looks to me uh, to use me in a situation. Uh, but you know, uh, you will feel that spirit uh, that begin to speak to you. Uh, I had some, I had that happen to me one time and, uh, and I, I, I don't know if I told you about it or not, but I had that happen to me one time with a fellow that I didn't even know him real well, but he was a preacher. He was a pastor at another church. I'd only met him a couple of times and, and in my prayer, God just began to, Begin to bombard me with thoughts of him, and I, I just like, well, God, what, what? You want me to pray for this man? And the Lord said, pray for him. And and so I, man, I just, I just started including him in my prayer every day, and he just kept him on my heart, and I just never knew what he was. What he had me praying about, you know, and the, the guy was a great pastor, young guy, man, on fire. I mean, he was a fireball, man, great pastor. Has a big church, pretty good sized church now. Has an incredible choir in his church, a powerful, powerful choir, UPC church. But I tell you, uh, I just didn't know what was going on. And uh, two weeks later, I, you know, I hadn't seen the guy, I only met him twice in my life, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, you know. A couple of weeks later, after I'd been praying every day, the Lord, I, I, I went to the church where I went to church, and, and, and the pastor said, well, I want you all to pray for this family. And they were friends with them, and they said, we, we just come back from a funeral today. So the funeral, he said, yeah, they had a baby. And the baby just lived a, just a few moments, and they got to hold him, and he died in the daddy's arms. And, God had me praying for that man. 
I had no idea what I was praying for that man for. I had no earthly idea what I was praying for that man about. But God told me to pray for him. Church, that not only said something to me about that man, but that said something to me about me. And I said, God, who am I that you would have me to pray for such a good servant as that man? Man, if God would choose you, what makes you any different from Paul? Paul was a powerful man, but he was chosen of God, and so were you. The Bible says in Mark 6, 46-48, it says, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Now listen, this is about perceiving and perception. Well, let's go back to 28, 27, 10 of Acts. And it said unto him, Sirs, I perceive. Now there's Paul. He says, Sir, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Paul was trying to tell them, hey, something going on here. This ain't good. You need to heed these words. Now, he perceived it. He had a perception. The Bible also talks in another place, and I want to talk to you about perceiving. Does it necessarily mean that you see it in the physical? Mark 6 46 says this, And when he had sent them away, departed into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them about the fourth watch of the night. He cometh unto them. Now listen. The Bible says that he saw them toiling and rowing. That is impossible to see even in the daytime where this ship was, from where the Lord was, to see them in the natural eye. He saw them in the Spirit. He perceived their rowing. He was God, manifesting the flesh. And the Holy Ghost is what revealed that to him. Another place in the Bible says that uh, Paul and them were in, and Silas was in prison and and, uh, and, and along at about midnight, you know the story that, uh, they began to sing unto the Lord and, uh, and the, and the doors flew open, the earth shook and the doors flew open and, uh, and the, and the, the jailer woke up and he, and he realized what had happened and he was about to kill himself, uh, because he, he knew what was to come if the, if, when the king found out and, uh, and Paul, it's about, the Bible says that Paul hollered out and said, hey, we're all still here. Now, when they, when he said that, the jailer called for a light. So that tells you right there that it was dark. How did Paul see the jailer about to kill himself? Because he saw in that spiritual eye. The Holy Ghost revealed to him he's going to kill himself. Stop him and Paul hollered out, Hey! And he had perceived just that at the same time. Since then he had perceived that that man was about to kill himself. And so sometimes when we perceive things in the Holy Ghost, we need to act upon it. Amen? Now, The Bible says in John 6, 13, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. Hallelujah. Now Paul's in the ship and tells him, I perceive that this voyage is a bad idea. If someone would have just listened to the voice of forewarning, but they didn't obey the perception of danger that was told to them. 
by a man of God. He was listening to the voice of the Holy Ghost. So perception is very important. God can give you an unsettling in your spirit. How many of you have ever felt that? You ever just felt something that just, just didn't feel right? I was talking with a brother earlier today. We were discussing something similar to this, all of the evil that's in the world now. You know, I'm beginning to feel, and I know my wife is as well, and I know some of you that have told me of the experience as well. I know that some of you may be experiencing the same thing, but I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that men would wax worse and worse. And it's getting to the point now to where you can walk by people and just feel the devil walking by you. You can actually feel evil on people as they pass by you. I have looked into the face of the devil himself more than once in my life where the devil just looked right at me and laughed or just looked right at me and I knew it was him looking at me. And he knew that I knew who he was. I had the devil one time laugh at me right in the church. He had a very strong hold on the lady. Very strong hold on the lady. And she didn't want free from it. She was there because somebody else wanted her to be there. You know, when somebody don't want free, they're not going to get free. The man in the garden of the Gadarenes... The Bible says that he saw Jesus coming from a way far off and he ran and worshipped him. He had 2,000 devils in him. He had 2,000 devils, the Bible says, in him. But there was still enough of that man that wanted out of there to run and meet Jesus and bow at his feet and worshipped him. And a a man with 2,000 devils that found a way to come to Jesus, he found his victory. He found his deliverance from the Master's hand. Praise God. Because there was enough of him that wanted out of that devil and the devil out of him to get his deliverance. Two thousand devils couldn't stop his praise. Hallelujah. Some people do it anyway. You know, in America we have a slogan now that's just do it. If it feels good, do it. Come on, can't we all just get along? Oh, well, we're all going to the same place. We all going to heaven, we just going different ways. We was talking about that this morning. A fellow just the other day came across some folks and, and he invited them to church here. He said, no, no, I don't want to go. But, uh, man, man, we're all going to heaven anyway. That was the guy's response. I mean, we're all going to heaven anyway. He must not have the Bible I have. 
But you know, like Ray Charles said, I got the right one, baby, yeah. There it is. There are several things that those men had to ignore. They ignored just standard common sense, just like that fellow that sent us out during the, and also I wanted to tell you in that, in that lake that we were on that day, three people lost their boats and there was literally, I forget how many, three people lost their boats and I forget how many people did thousands of dollars apiece to their damage to their boats trying to get them in. I don't remember how much damage was to mine, but it was quite a bit. All because somebody made a decision. And you know the ones that made the decision? were in sponsored boats. And it didn't matter if their boat sunk. They weren't worried about it. They just called their sponsor, whoever it was, and they just sent them another boat to meet them at the next tournament. They ignored common sense. It was 59 A.D. in the fall when this happened. Many Bible scholars say that this voyage took place in October. But it's also well known that in the Mediterranean it becomes very, very dangerous after the month of September. You can listen to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, channels on TV now, the Discovery Channels and things like that, and some of the most deadly places on the earth. Man, the Mediterranean, buddy, around September, after, any time after September, it's a mariner's nightmare. And so, uh, there's many places on the earth, man, around Cape Fear and places like that. You just don't go. I mean, unless you have a death wish, and there's places that are just off limits, and and this was a bad time of the year to start with. So that common sense, uh, they just let that slide by. Somebody had some money to be made in this situation, and they didn't want to winter where they were. They wanted to winter in another haven, which was a better, more comfortable, more pleasant place to haven the winter at. Now... It was a season of great storms, and the Bible says that the winds were already contrary. Common sense said don't go, but the captain overrode the common sense. They overrode the spiritual discernment. The man of God said it's not a good day to sail. Paul perceived a problem. The Bible says in 27.11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul, so they did not listen to the warnings from the man of God. Boy, how familiar does that sound? I don't know how many people I have warned, and they just didn't listen. They overrode the warning signs. Before you make a major mistake, I believe with all my heart that God will give you some type of warning sign. There are some things we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But I believe before you go through a major situation that's going to really cost you, I believe God will give you a warning. In Acts 27, 4, the Bible says that the winds were contrary. This was the first level of warning. The winds were contrary. Verse 27, 7 said, We had sailed slowly many days, the wind not suffering us. A lot of people would read that as suffering us. In other words, not coming against us. No means not suffering us to go. In other words, the winds were were prevailing against them. The winds were not suffering them to pass through. 
The winds were strongly against them. In other words, if I don't suffer you to come unto me, the Bible said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. But he said that the winds were not suffering them. In other words, they were not suffering them to pass through. The winds were hard-pressed against them. And this was the second warning. Thirdly, when sailing was now dangerous, it said in 27.9, So here's the progression. First, it was contrary, meaning common sense said nothing was right today. Secondly, they started getting hindered. It was not easy to sail anymore. Thirdly, they were having to force their will to get it done. Am I talking to anybody today? Am I the only one that's ever forced my will to get it done? Maybe I am. And and if that's the case, I pray that you never do that. But understand this. uh, There's consequences. Uh, There's some things that that you're going to have to endure. Daddy will not. He's going to try to stop you. Uh, Oh, but if you're just uh, set, you got your mind set that you want to, you're going to do it anyway. God will say, all right. Have a good time. See you when you get back. Going to be a while. I'll see you when you get back. I'll be here. So all the warning signs were there. But they ignored it. They did it anyway. Galatians 6 and 7 said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sometimes a storm can be stopped. Sometimes God will rush in. And stop the storm before it really gets started good. Sometimes God will come in the midst of the storm and He'll speak peace to the storm. As He did with the disciples when He told told them to get in the boat and we're going to the other side. And they got out in the water and Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus was actually in the boat with them. Church, there's sometimes when you might be in God's perfect will. You might be doing everything God asked you to do. They got in the boat. They went out into the water. They were doing exactly what the Master told them to do. They were following His orders to the letter. He said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And they got in the boat. And Jesus was in the boat with them, but the wind still blew in, and the waves still got high, and the wind was boisterous, and the waves were high. But Jesus spoke to the storm, and He stopped the storm. So God sometimes will stop it before it really gets started good. Another time, He had to walk out into the midst of the storm and stop it in the midst of the storm. Immediately they were to the other side. He took them out of the storm. Another situation that we read in the Bible that tells us this. There were people that, like the nobleman's son in chapter 4 of John, that the Lord came to and and he healed the boy and, and he kept him from dying before he died. And then there was another time, like Jairus' daughter, who he came and raised from the dead. And then, and that was in the midst of the situation, he came and he rescued and raised from the dead there. And then there's Lazarus who was dead four days. And, and not only was he dead uh, and he suffered him to die, but he also had been dead four days. And so the family had to go through a funeral and all those things. And 
And He suffered in all those things that take place before He came and rescued them. Church, I said all that to say this. There are some storms that will come up in your life. And God will come in and rescue you before the storm really takes foothold in your life. Before the storm really begins to crash in on you. And then there's sometimes that you're in the midst of a storm when you're sitting at the house and Jesus Himself, or you're in a sickness, and Jesus Himself steps in in the midst of the storm. Praise God. And He'll come and send somebody to your house in the midst of a storm. And He'll send the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And bring somebody to you. Praise God. Walking up on the waters of your storm. Hallelujah. That will lay hands on you and bring you out of the midst of the storm. Praise God. To the safety and the sanctuary. The safety of the sanctuary. Praise God. Just like you have been tonight. Hallelujah. And then there's times, church, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. There are other times when you're just going to have to ride out the storm. There are some times that Jesus is going to let you ride it out. You know, I'm just going to tell you right now, I have many times in my life been through several different types of storms. And I've been through a long storm in my life. And wondered many times how in the world, God, what did I do to get here? God, why? Lord, when is it going to be over? Almighty God, is there an end to this? Is there an end? And God just stands back and says, Hey, you're going to have to trust me. I want you to know something tonight, church. There is a reason for the storm that you go through in your life. We don't always see why and how and understand. But God is doing something in the midst of your storm. Sometimes it might be the loss of a job or or maybe loss of uh, funds or finances. Uh, sometimes maybe the loss of a loved one. Uh, but God uh, does things sometimes in our life. Uh, and He will take that if we will allow Him to do it. Uh, he will take that uh, and He will use it to His glory. Uh, and I want to tell you tonight, uh, there was a lady not too long ago in a church uh, in Nashville or Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, and she, uh, her husband had had a stroke. Uh, one of the, well, the smilingest man I ever knew in my life. I never saw the man frown. Precious man of God. And, uh, and you know, she stood up there. She could have been crying her eyes out and been hurt and tore up, but she stood, she was crying. She stood up and she testified and she said, when this happened to me, she said, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. She said, I could have stood up there and said, oh God, why did you do this? We've been living for You every minute of our lives. God, we give everything we can. God, we give every bit of our time to the house of the Lord, to the working in the kingdom of God. Lord, we have sacrificed our whole lives to the kingdom of God. Lord, how could You do this? But she said, I didn't. She said, I just looked up and I said, Master, oh, how are You going to be glorified in this? How are You going to receive glory in this? Oh, Master, come by How are you going to be lifted up, Jesus, through this? Oh, that man's back dancing in the aisles now. Praise God. Hallelujah. But she had to go through the storm. There was something that needed to take place. Church, I want you to understand right now. And I know, listen, we're going to be studying it. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't go by the way of the grave very soon, you're going to go through some tribulation. Period.
Period. If the greatest apostles that ever walked this planet went through hell on this earth, what could possibly make somebody think they're immune from it? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I've been studying this and studying it and studying it. I know there's all kind of scholars out there that think different, but I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you, I've got scriptures right now, that, and I've not got them all together, but I've got a ton of them. And some people that I know of that are Bible scholars, man, I'm telling you from way back, have, all, have been talking to me recently and said, man, I tell you, I've seen it like I've never seen it before. And they used to believe in a pre-trib rapture. And I, I used to as well. And then I began to say, well, I could see where there's no way it could possibly be anything less than a mid-trib. But now there's so many scriptures that the Lord has just been giving me recently that point to a post-trib. And I surely hope that's not the case. But I'm going to tell you, we're going through some problems. We're going to go through some tribulation. The Bible tells us. And I tell you right now, church, I want you to understand, uh, praise God, you better be ready. You better be ready. I'm going to tell you, God ain't going to put no more on you than you can bear uh, without giving a way of escape. Uh, but I want to tell you, oh man, uh, if he took apostles like Paul and Peter and all those men had to go through, uh, oh, what they had to go through for the Lord, uh, oh, I want you to know, uh, man, I tell you right now, uh, it's, uh, there is no way around it. There's just no way around it. And I'm going to try to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. Really, I am. I'm not going to get through all the scriptures tonight. I want you to look. I want you to look at three different types of winds that come up in our lives. Winds of change, winds of hindrance, and winds of destruction. There are winds of change, like the winds of change of the Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says the Holy Ghost swept through the rushing mighty wind. Oh, that's a good wind of change. Praise God. There are things that change in your life sometimes, and that's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Oh, but then there's winds of hindrance uh, that come in. And, uh, and uh, thank the disciples, uh, uh, praise God, when they were on board that boat uh, with Jesus, uh, and Jesus was on board the boat, uh, Jesus, uh, and they said, our lives are in peril, and, and, and they were obeying Him. And it's like we were just talking about. They kept right on going. Understand this. Winds of hindrance are just simply that. They're hindrances, but they're not going to destroy you. Hang in there. Stay in the boat. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to look at Acts 14.22 with me for just a moment. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 14.22. Acts chapter 14 and 22. It says this. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Also, 2 Timothy 3.12. Turn with me just a little further in the book to 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are many hindrances that we go through and winds of hindrance. But now winds of destroy, of destruction. 
There in, in the, in the, in the garden of gathering, the, what it says here, it says within the story of the Bible, it says that the ship was caught. That's what it talks about. It says that, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. This was Paul speaking. And it said that over, over there in the, in the garden of the Gadarenes, when the dead, the Bible said that the devil had seized him, taken him, seized him and caught him to destroy him. The Paul, uh, the, the the ship was also caught fast. But after this situation, we know the rest of the story was went like this. Paul had heard from the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord said in Acts twenty-seven, two, uh, twenty-two, twenty-five, and he had heard from the angel of the Lord, and Paul called them together, and he said, "Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship." He knew, in other words, the ship's going to be lost, but none of you will. And he said, For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, or angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Hallelujah. Oh, what a great, great statement. What a great saying. I believe God. Hallelujah. And, said, and that it shall be even as it was told me. Praise God. And the angel had said it was going to be okay, and Paul said uh, on that, I believe God. Praise God. Now, Now listen, notice that the angel said it was going to be alright. But the Eurocladon didn't stop. The Eurocladon still kept blowing on. The Eurocladon, the wind still kept blowing in. The ship was still rocking back and forth. But they had lightened their load and took things out. Now there's five things that you need to do in the midst of a storm. And I'll quickly go through them. Fasting, number one. They fasted for 14 days. Acts 27, 33 said, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. Uh, listen, church, uh, there's sometimes in some storms that you're going to go through and you're not going to get out of it without a fast. There's some things that you go through in this life. Uh, the Bible said that when one time when the disciples could not cast out a devil in this man, uh, and, and the Lord came and He said, uh, How long must I suffer you? And they said, Why could we not cast them out? He said, Because of your faith. He said, but, he said, however, how be it, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. There are certain devils you're going to battle in your life that your only way that you're going to get them away from you is by prayer and fasting. Fasting is a powerful thing, church, I want to tell you right now. And by the way, our fast day is tomorrow from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and 6.30 prayer here at the church tomorrow evening. Praise God. Now, Number two, lay aside the weight. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They took a bunch of stuff and took it out of the ship. Sometimes when you're going through a storm in your life, it's because God wants you to take an inventory. He may want you to start running a little quicker and lighter. He may Listen, how many times have you ever stopped in your life and realized there were some certain things in your life you didn't need in your life? You know, things that you thought you once needed. And I've been there many times in my life. There was a lot of things I was holding on to. I really didn't need to even have a hold of Much less holding on to them like it was for dear life. I didn't need to jump start with. It was a hindrance to me. It was causing me to to be sluggish instead of quick and light. Listen, church, when we're in the midst of a race and the Bible says we are, you don't go loading a backpack up with everything you can find and load yourself down and you can't hardly crawl when you're trying to run a race. But let your step be quick and light. 
And so you take off the weights. The Bible says over there in Hebrews 12, let us lay aside with every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. This race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the altar and finisher of our faith. Praise God. Some of us need to stop carrying the burdens that you're not even assigned to carry. You just pick them up because somebody told you to. Or you just pick them up because the devil said, hey, pick that up. Oh, okay. Didn't even question it. Just grab it and start going with it like you own it. I mean, he's a con artist, church. It's a setup. Thirdly, give up control. Some of you are control freaks. Did he just say that? Did I say that out loud? Some of you just love to be in control. Look at everybody petting on each other like y'all trying to lie to one another. <laughs> Listen. You ever heard that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Ain't that a precious song? I love that song. Oh, that's a good idea, church. Quit trying to be the pilot and get over in the passenger seat. You're not the pilot. You're the co-pilot. And that's if God even wants you in the cockpit. He'd really probably rather have you in the back of the plane where you belong, serving somebody, being a stewardess or a steward, instead of trying to get up there and help fly the plane. Jesus don't need your help flying the plane. He was flying it before they was invented. He's the master, praise God. And we're the servants, church. Give Him the keys back. Sit down and shut up. Let God have the wheel. Let Daddy drive the boat. Let Daddy drive the ship. Let Daddy fly the plane. He knows where we're going. He knows how to get there. And He's the one that's got the money. He can afford the gas. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, whatever. He's a, he owns it all. Hallelujah. Praise God. They gave up control. The Bible says, 2740, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands. They let go of the rudder which steers the ship and they just, they just let it go instead of trying to fight it. Sometimes trying to fight the storm will sink your ship. Sometimes you have to just let go and let God. Quit trying to get yourself where you think you need to be. Let God have it. Hallelujah. Just let God take control. Loose your grip and let go. Let go. And quit taking it back. That's a bad habit. I think we all have that habit. God, I can't do it. Oh, God, I can't do it. Oh, God, I can't do it. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. Okay. Wait a minute. I just thought of something. Give me that back. I, I think I can handle it now, God. We'll see you later. Oh, God, I'm torn up even worse now. Here, take it, Lord. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't wait. Wait a minute. I didn't try that. Give me that back, God. Just let Him have it and go over and, and just worship Him. Praise Him. Let Him handle it. Number four, they cast their wheat into the sea. It says when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. You know, really what they did was they cast their bread on the water, literally. <laughs> they cast their bread on the water, praise God. You know, they didn't quit giving even in the midst of their storm. 
and five. Listen very carefully. Every ear perked up like satellite dishes right now. I want you all to pay very close attention. They stayed in the ship. The Bible says in 2731, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Church, I want to tell you right now, that's talking about the house of God. And that's, a, that's just an example to let you know in the last days, the church is going to be rocking. The church is going to be, t- the wind's going to be tempest. The winds of this nation are going to try to blow the walls out of this church. But I want to tell you right now, sailors, stay your course. Hallelujah. Stay in the boat. Every wind of change is going to try to blow you out of this ship. Every wind of change is going to come along and try to get you out of this ship. Try to get you to throw down your oar. Try to get you to jump ship. Try to scare you with the waves that were high and the wind was boisterous. You remember when Peter stepped out of the boat and went to walking on the water? He began to look around him and he looked, uh-oh, what am I doing? That devil was walking. The devil stepped right out of the boat with him. I'm sure the devil can walk on the water too. Seems to be a spiritual thing. He probably stepped out right by him and said, Hey, buddy, uh, I don't know if you've looked or anything, but you can't walk on the water. You're crazy. I mean, just look. You're sinking. He began to look at the problems. He took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off his destination. Started looking where he was instead of where he was going. Quit looking where you're at. Get your eyes on where you're headed. Quit looking at where you're at. You're not going to be there long if you keep your eyes on where you're headed. You won't be where you're at very long. You will move because looking at the mark will keep you heading towards it. When you see a light, everything's drawn to the light, church. Look at the light and head for the light. Don't ever listen to somebody say, stay away from the light. No, no, no. That's the devil talking. Get in that light. And you see that light, you keep your eyes on that light. Keep your eyes fixed on the mark, praise God, and press toward the mark. The Bible doesn't say, I saw the mark, stood and looked, and I beheld the mark. No, it says, I press toward the mark I see and I'm heading to it church I'm heading to my destiny I'm heading to the place I want to tell you my wife will tell you I'm a dreamer I'm a dreamer it's kept me going but I'm telling you right now, church, I'm heading to my dream. Huh. I'm heading to my dream. I'm going to that place, where the dreamer meets the dream. I'm heading to that place where the dreamer meets the dream. Stay in the boat, church. There may be times... When everything around you looks real rough and it may cause you to want to jump ship and try to swim to land. There may be times in this very boat that it might get rough inside. Maybe you might get some sore feet. Maybe the fellow that's ministering in the boat might trip over your feet a few times. Might step on them a few times. Remember what we talked about earlier. The old devil will try to rub you the wrong way. He'll try to cause division. He'll try to get somebody mad. 
Remember what the Bible says, church. You know what the Bible says about love in the church? The Bible says that they will know that you're of me by the love you have one to another. And I'm closing. In the end times, church storms are going to come. The Bible says, They which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Church, there's going to be some times in your life when you pray for people and they just don't get their healing. There's going to be times that you lose loved ones in your life. We all have experienced that at some point in our lives. One form or another. Sometimes it's to draw us closer to God. Sometimes it's just the natural course of life. But I will tell you this. There's going to be times in your life that you don't understand. And it's going to be that brokenness that you have toward God that might ultimately be your salvation. The Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 9 through 13, it says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Didn't say for his sake, it said for his name's sake. They're after the name, church. We talked about that this morning. There's some things going on in the government that I tell you. They're after the name. They're after stopping the name. Sister Catherine was talking this morning about her son being in the military. They won't allow him to preach anything or pray in his name. Cannot mention Jesus' name. They've got the name. They've got it all. You can talk about God all you want to, but you can't mention the name of Jesus, and that's where the power is. Without Jesus' name. There's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Verse 10 says, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So here's what I want to tell you tonight. Listen carefully. You may have to go through some storms. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith, no doubt about it. May seem that all hope is lost, church. But as the winds are blowing and the waves are tossing the ship, keep on praying and fasting. Keep the ship light. Don't let your life get weighed down. Let God have control. Keep on giving in the midst of the storm and stay in the ship. You might be beat, you might be battered. And when all's said and done, you might not swim as fast as the others. And you may have to come in 
on broken pieces.